Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. I'm your host, Troy, my pronouns are he, him, and joining me from a hidden underdark bunker with his surviving tadpoles. I guess that's me. My name's Ed. I'm the other one. Uh, yeah, brought a bunch of tadpoles into my uh, apocalypse bunker from where we will carry out the great plan. Also, my pronouns are they and them. Uh, that's all the joke I got. Yes, because today we're talking about mind flayers, also known as illithids. Get flayed, y'all. Yeah, um... They are one of the classic Dungeons & Dragons monsters. They've been around since, well, since the beginning of Dungeons & Dragons, essentially. And they're, they're a classic for a reason. But before we really get into them, we have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we've done in the last week. Um, Ed, why don't you take it away? Oh, boy. Uh, Weekend Hobbies started off strong with GarageCon 2023 uh, in my garage. We played uh, Gaslands, and that went pretty hilarious. I brought my team of Mario Karts and loaded up Mario and his brothers with a bunch of grenades and very rickety uh, vehicles that caused some hilarious pileups. Turns out if you do a lot of swerving, it also is very thematic to Mario Kart since snaking. Uh, that was a thing in Mario Kart for a while. I don't know if it still is. Um, and then we played some Dice Miner, which I am saving as a board game of the week for a very specific episode. You can probably guess which one that is. Uh... Other than that, I really haven't done much. Work has been super busy. I've been having a lot of out-of-town jobs, and school has started back up, and this class is particularly intense and takes up most of my free time, so haven't done a whole lot of hobbying there. Um, but I was listening to Trapped Under Plastic, which is another good hobby podcast, and they were talking about the changes in 3D printing in the last year and the specific art of making things for 3D printing that will be paintable rather than just looking nice in uh, Renderite. So made a goal for myself of 2023 of designing a model in ZBrush, printing it on my printer, using that print as a master, uh, and creating a mold to cast it in white metal and or aluminum, whichever I can get my hands on. So we'll see how many of these words I eat uh, in January of 2024, but it, it could be a, a humanoid shape and a T-pose for all I care, as long as I get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you'll probably eat a few of those words. Probably. Gotta dip them in barbecue sauce. Yeah. So I also, you know, was attending GarageCon. Um, my team for Gaslands was high-performance vehicles. Uh, they, uh, well, one of them got rammed and exploded pretty badly. Uh, the other one survived the game, 
but failed to win as it simply tried to chase down another car, spraying it with machine gun fire and not actually catching anyone. Um, Dice Miners was interesting, and I'd definitely be down to play that one again. Uh, those mechanics seem solid. It's Yahtzee, but dwarf style. Dwarf Yahtzee. Dwarf Yahtzee, right. Um, and then beyond that, I've been playing a lot of Dwarf Fortress. Uh, my current embark is on a volcano, which has been great because magma is awesome. Uh, but now I'm trying to... That embark has been fun. It's lots of magma, lots of metal smithing now. I have built tables and chairs out of gold, which is great because it allows me to instantly make dwarves happy by giving them a golden like bed. Well, okay, you can't do a golden bed, but I can put a gold statue in their room and they get very happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also built a dwarven mister, which what is, is a, a complicated machine setup where, that just like sprays water into a room, uh, just a very light amount of water into a room, simulating a waterfall and making all the dwarves that hang out there happy. Um, I mean, some days at work, having just a fine spray of water in the room I'm working in probably would make me happy. Uh, wouldn't make the electrons in the area happy, though, because uh, water and electricity don't get along great. Yeah, see, that's why you designate it as, like, a tavern. <laughs> so the dwarves hang out and drink and admire the fancy statues you've built and get, like, misted by the waterfall that comes in from above. And so does that basically make it like the uh, the Soma drug from Brave New World or whatever they called it? Basically, yes. <laughs> I, you, you make Brave a happy, New Dwarf World. Brave New Fortress, yes. Yes. Um, you, you make a happy room for the dwarves, and it has a remarkable effect on their overall, like, mentality. Uh, you build one of these in the right spot and at the right time, and you can just kind of... You don't have to worry so much about dwarves going insane and stabbing each other to death or anything. It's a serious improvement. I also built a crazy important, like a crazy nice library, um, which has keeps drawing scholars to my place, which is weird because like there's just a bunch of angry goblin tribes nearby, but people keep showing up to um, check out my books. Books are good. Uh, in my D&D &D campaigns, uh, one of them spent a bunch of time figuring out magic items and stuff that they were going to buy and doing all this stuff, and then um, went down to the docks at Sharn in order to try and, you know, get some improvements made to their airship, at which point they investigated a person who was working on some stuff that might have been useful to uh, protect their ship against going into the Moinland. And it turns out the person was actually a Radiant Idol, which is a type of fallen angel. Fine. Um, and it fought them. They, they, they basically... Combat ensued. The Radiant Idol and its mechanical phase spiders fought them, and they had a fun little battle with that. Oh, boy. Um, the mechanical phase spiders explode. Uh... Then, in my other group, they are currently in the Mornlands. They had some, uh, basically some talks with a group of Warforged that are working for the Lord of Blades. 
that gave him some advice on trying to find this a rogue artificer known as the Armorer, who it turns out the party kind of figured this one out. Uh, he's a guy that's has kept showing up like in various things that they have found. They have a copy of his journal from an expedition to Zendrick. They had spent like a couple of sessions in the lab that he had outside of Sharn. Um, and to get to him, they needed to activate a teleportation puzzle, which would have been quite easy if it wasn't for the Wraith storm bearing down on them. Uh, so they had to, you know, take a bunch of necrotic damage and move statues about and then activate a thing and guess the password, which was just the guy's name. But it did mean they had to remember what his name was. You need a symbol, an uppercase, and a lowercase in there. Nope, it was a vocal password. Boo. What? He, he, he's not good at, like, password protection stuff. Um, and yeah, that was basically my weekend hobby. Two, uh, some board games, two D&D games, and a lot of Dwarf Fortress. On a related note, I'm also working my way through the saga of Boat Murdered. Oh, that's a classic. That that getting posted back in the day is what caused me to play Dwarf Fortress for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in, like, 2008, 2009. I want to say. Party time. I think that's right, when, when I read about it. So, yeah. Let's talk Mind Flayers. Mind Flayers were first introduced in the... 1975 copy of the TSR official newsletter, The Strategic Review, issue number one. Woo! In the section called Creature Features. Uh, Mind Flayers were described as a super intelligent, man-shaped creature with four tentacles by its mouth, which it uses to strike its prey. And they would, you know, eat the brain from the prey, and then they had a mind blast ability that did psychic force that affected people depending on how intelligent they are. Um, as the editions of Dungeons & Dragons have gone on, they continued to be, you know, they continued to show up. They were in first edition in the Monster Manual, and then it, they had an article called The Ecology of the Mind Flayer in uh, one of the Dragon magazines that, you know, talked a lot more about what how they functioned. Uh, second edition, they showed up in the Monster Manual... And it introduced a few more variations, including the ultralithid, uh, ultralithid, whichever, the, basically the the boss mind flare. Um, Isn't that the elder brain? No, there's a couple of tiers. We'll, we'll talk about that more, I think, a little later. Um, it also introduced the Alhun, which is the mind flare lich. Um, yes, and we'll talk about those as well. Um and then later in like the nineties, they introduced the elder brain and a few other things. Um, stuff like the, uh, I think, what do they call it? The, it, it's the weird thing. Um, it's what happens if the mind flares, uh, yes. The Neothalids. It, it's effectively what happens if the Mind Flayer tadpole spends too long as a tadpole. 
and grows too big to fit inside a brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's the always classic intellect of error, which is a brain with, like, dog legs. That's one of the most dangerous foes in D&D because <laughs> it does intellect damage, and there's very few things that can stop intellect damage. Um, always a classic. It'll just knock you out and then eat your brain. Great time. I don't think I've I don't think I've run into those before, but I've uh, listened to let's plays where people run into those. It's pretty funny. I've thrown them at my players. They are terrified of them, as last, well they should be. The last one I saw, they were doing a scenario that was very alien inspired, and it involved uh, large corpses walking around in spacesuits, and uh, instead of chest bursters, it was basically brain bursters where they had a. Uh, uh, intellect devourer burst out of the space helmet. Hmm. Interesting. I, I like it. I like it. Actually, that, that could be cool, because then the intellect devourer is the brain of the person that was in the thing, but with stuff grafted onto it. They I never like it. Uh, explicitly stated that, but that was the implication that I got. I like it. It so, was a good then, change of tone for that campaign. <laughs> yeah, and then in 5th edition, the Mind Flayer appeared in the Monster Manual, and then a lot of the additional stuff comes in Volo's Guide to Monsters, which is where a lot of my research for this episode was. I sat down and just read the entire Mind Flayer section as well as, you know, looking through older books as well. Um, so Mind Flayers. Where do Mind Flayers come from? Space. Generally speaking, space. Uh Mind flayers are the remnants of an ancient and powerful world-spanning empire uh, who used to dominate entire planets and, like, psychically conquer whatever they came across until two of their slave races, the well, one of their slave races, the Gith, uh, rose up and overthrew them somehow. Uh, in the process, the Gith split into two distinct groups, the Githazere and the Githayanki, who are probably worth having their own episode on at some point. So we, we, we'll cover them in greater detail later. But the Mind Flayer civilization fell, and the Mind Flayers themselves scattered into small groups, and they have kind of been living in hiding, plotting to uh, overthrow everyone and retake their rightful place as rulers of the material plane. Um... There is some speculation due to the, like, lack of ruins from their civilization that they did something to it, to hide it, or that perhaps they threw their civilization into the future and the ones that are sticking around are there to, like, call it back once they've defeated the Gith. Hmm. Um, which is a very interesting concept and one I might want to play with in a campaign. Um... If I was doing a Mind Flayer-focused campaign, them doing some things to, like, bring a city from their civilization back into the material plane would be uh, an interesting concept. D&D characters facing off against future Illithids sounds amazing and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I think it probably would be that they threw it into a pocket dimension and they're trying to pull it back out of that or something. Do it a uh, bottled city Superman style. Yeah, effectively. Um, 
But the Mind Flayers are, for the most part, weird and alien. They generally, they're all telepathic, so they talk via telepathy. They don't technically have tongues, so it's hard for them to talk normally. They can do it by sticking one of their tentacles down their throat and then kind of flipping it around and using that as a tongue. According to the books, it sounds terrifying and is uncomfortable for the Mind Flayer as well. Sounds um, like it. And they eat brains. Mm, brains. This is, they both derive physical sustenance from the brain itself, but also from the psychic energy of the dying creature's last moments. Uh, as they eat brains, they gain some insight into the knowledge and thoughts of the creature that they eat, though not enough to like change their personality. They just kind of know the basic things that it knew. Um, mind flayers are almost categorically evil. The need to eat brains to sustain yourself, and specifically to eat the brains of intelligent creatures... Uh, they can't do livestock. They can't um, just eat, like, fish brains or something. It has to be intelligent beings, and typically intelligent humanoids. Uh, is generally speaking, not a great move. Their life cycle is one of parasitism. Parasitism. They're parasites, effectively. Uh, they start life as little tadpoles that swim around in a big brine pool. And then those are inserted into the body of a humanoid, and it the tadpole eats the humanoid's brain, and then magically transforms it into a mind flayer and grows tentacles. Um, the skin turns green to purple, and the psychic powers emerge, and it gets all skeletal and tall. Uh, as they, a group of mind flayers is typically controlled or sort of ruled by an elder brain which is a gigantic brain. Um, it, it, it's just sort of sits in a brine pool and tells all the mind flayers within five miles what to do uh, with its telepathy. And all of them are linked telepathically, so if you run into a group of mind flayers, they know immediately what is happening if you're within five miles or so. Um, they're quite dangerous because of this. Uh, when a Mind Flayer dies, its brain is, is sort of subsumed into the Elder Brain. So that is essentially their afterlife, is that their consciousness is added to the collective. Meaning that they, um, they're not real religious. Uh, they don't exactly worship deities. They have a couple of, like, con concepts of that are more they have a quasi-religion thing that's sort of philosophical concepts uh manzakorin which is like internal knowledge and ilsian which is external knowledge um they'd be quite happy to overthrow some of the gods that run uh, like knowledge domain gods and eat their brains if they could get to them no god but brain Yes, no gods but brains. And the whole obsession with brains is one of the real played-up aspects, I would say, of Mind Flayers. They like to remove the brains of creatures they've captured. Uh, if they're not going to eat them, they'll sometimes put them in jars that keep them alive so that they can study them. 
because knowledge is their power. Um, as they hide in the Underdark and in space and in other places, they study and learn and try to concoct plans with that'll let them reclaim their empire. Whether that be creating new psychic weapons or creating diseases that'll they can spread to other species or finding ways to better control uh, thralls and other species and other... Um, slave races that they may have worked on. You know, they, they spend a lot of time f trying to figure stuff like that out. Again, categorically evil. And mad sort of, science. Yes, exceptionally mad science. Um, they try to either control or destroy civil, uh, civilizations near them. Uh, they, they have a constant need for food, so they don't eradicate all the other races. But they do want to have them around to feed on. They mostly just want humanoids around as a form of livestock. Uh, mind flayers are being highly intelligent and, you know, doing research. Mind flayers have a system of writing known as Qualith. Um, I don't think I've ever seen what mind flayer writing looks like. Well, the thing is, it's not really writing. Um... They psychically imprint messages on things um, using their tentacles. So effectively, they take a sheet of paper and hold it up to, with their mouth tentacles and then set it down and you can kind of like psychically read it. Um, I was just going to say they just slap the paper with the tentacles. I mean, maybe if you're like a mind flayer beat poet, that's what you'd do. But... <laughs> um, an expression in Qualith is made up of four line stanzas packed into interlocking blocks, creating complex patterns that are indecipherable by other creatures. I feel like now we need illithid haikus. Yeah, that was my first thought, was that if I was running a thing where you find, like, Mind Flayer writings, they would be weird psychic haikus. <laughs> Psychus. Although a, a, a Mind Flayer who also writes all of their things as, um weird psychic uh what's the other one uh I am pentameter no it, uh, um the silly ones uh um, couplets no limericks limericks yes a a, a mind flayer who writes weird psychic limericks that is all the, all of their notes um Perhaps the Mind Flayer has a level of two in Bard. I mean, just because you're evil doesn't mean you can't be funny, too. Yeah, I mean, look at all those evil comedians. <laughs> I, I yeah. can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure they're... Oh, um... Heh, heh. Heh. Wait, I'm, sure, I'm sure we could probably find some. Yeah, um... But it's effectively, they have their own little psychic writing system, which is kind of cool. And again, it, it plays into the very alien nature of the Mind Flayers. Um, they can enthrall people. When they do, they effectively psychically brainwash them slash um, consume part of their brain and then rebuild their personality. And yeah, it, it's very 
It's hard for a Mind Flayer colony to do and requires substantial effort. But it's also nearly impossible to undo. You have to cast a number of high-level, like, spells, regeneration, heal, and greater restoration cast on it for multiple days in a row. So unthralling somebody is not easy. Uh, I think heal is, like, fifth level. So, yeah. Burning all your spell slots just to make somebody not be a terrifying, not be a puppet of the Mind Flayers. And Mind Flayers have, you know, enslaved and enthralled species for millennia. The Gith were perhaps their original favorites until they rebelled. Um, the exact details of their rebellion are left up to the Dungeon Master. But they also enslaved Duragar for a while. Uh, the gray-skinned deep dark dwarves they enslaved grimlocks which are um i feel like i can imagine morlocks. what they look like but i don't remember specifically anything about them they're morlocks they're underground cave people they're blind pale-skinned dark hair cavemen-ish looking guys i mean just the name kind of gives it away that they're morlocks but grim uh the Kutoa, the weird psychic fish people who create deities and are all insane, didn't used to all be insane and didn't used to have psychic powers, but, you know, a few millennia of being used by the Illithids as your, like, basic troops uh, kind of did that to them. And, yeah. of course, the Quagoths, which are... Um, Sort of, what would you call them? Like I can't even remember what they look like. They look like cave yetis. Where they're like hmm. normal humanoid size, but shaggy fur and um, sort of like carnivorous looking jaws. Cave yeti is probably what I would call them. Um, they are the like current species that the mind flayers tend to use the most um they're uh they they typically like take control of a tribe shaman and then just impress the rest of them into service i am very impressed yeah they also of course turn humanoids into thralls but they don't care that much they don't find it particularly special um mind flayers find the taste of humanoid brains to be kind of the same across the whole spectrum unless there's something particularly special about an individual you know they might have psychic powers or be a high intellect wizard or something and then a mind flayer would care but for the most part the taste of a peasant brain and an orc warrior brain and a goblin brain all kind of the same hmm. uh, um, so you know peasant 1492 uh got a little bit corked Bit corked. Oh yes, I shouldn't have used the corkscrew to undo his sir. Uh, sir yes, the the corkscrew didn't go quite all the way through the spine, and so some of the spinal fluid got into the brain. Mm-hmm. That may be like the most macabre sentence I've ever said. Maybe. Um. But as I mentioned, you know, there's varieties of mind flayers. You have your standard Mind Flayer, which are 
you know, it's taller than normal humans, purple to green skin, tentacle mouths. They have psychic powers, a mind blast ability that is very dangerous in 5th edition because, well, it, it has intelligence saving throws and only a handful of classes are defend, like, have intelligence saving throws. And very few people take intelligence as one of their better stats. My so, once. Um, yeah, so so you are likely to get knocked down out by it, and it stuns people and just kind of like locks them out of playing for a bit. And if you're stunned and the mind flare comes up and starts uh, grappling you with its tentacles, it can eat your brain. Um, Brains. So yeah, it's very dangerous. Um, and then the intellect of ours, which, as we mentioned, brains on legs. The mind witness, which that's is, oh yeah, that's when a group of mind flayers captures a beholder and puts a mind flayer tadpole in it and creates a mind flayer beholder. That's terrifying. Oh yeah, you know what else is terrifying? Vampire uh, mind flayer. I was going to say mind flayer dragon, but that too. Oh, yes, the Mind Flayer Dragon, which has a name, but I can't remember what it is, is utterly terrifying, but it is in, like, the... It's such a high, dangerous, highly high-level dangerous thing that it's just so far out there, it's not even worth really worrying about. It's like worrying about the Tarrasque. <laughs> it's the rocks fall, everybody dies of monsters. Yes, you have to be a CR, you have to be, like, level 18 or so, just... For the dungeon master to consider pulling it out. Um, the Neothalid, which the Mind Flayer tadpoles, if they get loose and uh, aren't cold and they um, grow to immense size and then eat an individual, like eat a sentient being and its brain, they become self aware, but they're also just survival monsters and they're the size of a purple worm and have psychic powers they're Fun. terrifying basically anything mind flare is terrifying it's like body horror meets mind horror yes and of course the alhoon which is the um mind flare that has left the like collective hive mind and started studying magic and then become a lich because it wanted to live forever and didn't want to merge with nelder brain so it has psychic abilities and magic abilities, and it's undead. Heresy. Oh, yes. Uh, other Mind Flayers do consider those heretical and will try to kill them. Uh, Probably so, for the best. Well, that just means that they're more paranoid and quicker to try and cast Disintegrate if they run into you. Um, and, of course, the Elder Brain themselves is quite dangerous. You know, all the psychic abilities... Um, although in 3.5, one of their skills was Disguise, which which led huh. to some jokes about them wearing a hat and a mustache, and when you walked into the room <laughs> being like, nope, no Elder Brain here. <laughs> I like it. He must have gone that way. Um, much as I love that one, it, it, I don't think it holds up in 5th edition. Um... And of course, there's the uh, the Ultralithid, which I mentioned earlier, which is the like missing link in the 
mind flare like life cycle because every once in a while a mind flare is born or like implanted that is stronger and smarter than the normal mind flares <laughs> and eventually oh, as it as it grows it you know becomes smarter and stronger until it eventually takes about half of the mind flares in its particular colony and goes off to set up another one somewhere else and then over the course of about a year, it transforms and grows and becomes a new elder brain. I'll I'll make my own elder elder brain with blackjack and hookers. Well, I mean, it's how you go from a mind flayer to an elder brain. It's the intermediate step. Um, but it basically is a mind flayer, but better at everything and more dangerous because of it. It's like the Zerg just making a new overmind. Effectively, yeah. If we're getting into video game comparisons. Um, but yeah, mind flayers are hideously dangerous. And that's not even bringing into the fact that they're the original spell jammers. Woo! The mind flayer nautiloid ships are a remnant of their ancient and fallen civilization. And allow them to travel you know, between worlds via the astral sea and the wild space that, you know, exists outside of planets. Um, mind flayers that you might encounter on any given world don't always have access to the nautiloids. Uh, some do, some don't. They tend not to be able to build more of them. So they kind of hide the ability to fly into space. Maybe they use it as a last resort or an escape route. They'll um, never find me in space. Going to the one place not contaminated by capitalism. <laughs> space! You beat me to it. Yeah, that Tim Curry thing is so good. Um, we are referring to... What was it? Um, Red Alert 3. Yes, the one of the cutscenes from Red Alert 3 where... Whew, yeah, the Soviet commander just is insane, and in the best way possible. Apparently we're very video game heavy today. I mean, that one's just sort of uh, low-hanging fruit, because it's so cool. Yep. Um, but beyond simply being in space, the Mind Flayers show up in a number of different settings, and have a number of different sort of styles, depending on which one they're in. Generally speaking, you'll find them in the Underdark, and you'll find them in space, and they are evil, and they are doing, you know, experiments or trying to conquer stuff. But they can do different things in different settings. Um, in Dragonlance, they have some weird stuff. Uh, they ins once enslaved a race of elves and ruled over one of the other continents back in the like early days of the setting. Um, in Eberron, they were natives of the Plane of Madness that were that were used by the Dalkir during their invasion of the world thousands of years ago. Um, the Dalkir lost their invasion and kind of got forced into the Underdark, which is, you know, so you get Mind Flayers in the Underdark. Uh, but not all of them live in the Underdark. There is, in fact, a city, Greywall, which is uh, in the... I can't remember The which. Overdark. 
No, the city of Greywall is in the a kingdom that's ruled by some hags. It's also generally like the primary inhabitants of the kingdom are monsters. Um, and the mayor of Greywall is a mind flayer. <laughs> Quote, elected mayor. I don't think he's elected. I think he's appointed by the hags. Um, but he is, I think, lawful evil. And he does a pretty good job of maintaining the city and, um, like, keeping things, keeping order around the place. Uh, and only eats the brains of the convicted criminals. So, you know, he's a fairly chill dude. Uh, mm, I don't know. Generally being against death penalty, eh, still, still doesn't seem very chill. Well, I mean, for Dungeons and Dragons, that's, you know, there are worse human kings in the settings. Uh, this is true. The fact that the, like, city watcher known as the Flayer's Guard is a little disconcerting. But, yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah. In Greyhawk and uh, the Forgotten Realms, Mind Flayers live in the Underdark. It, it's pretty straightforward. They live in the Underdark. They don't come out much. Uh, they have dealings and conniving stuff with the Dark Elves, the Drow. Um, yeah, that, uh, that's your basic Mind Flayers there. They need mustaches so they can twirl them and be evil. I mean, they just twirl their tentacles. Yeah, you can make a mustache out of, out of tentacles. Never yes. mind. Uh, in the Ravenloft campaign setting, we briefly touched about this on our Ravenloft episode, one of the dark domains is Blutspur, which is entirely cosmic horror, eldritch darkness stuff that is a Mind Flayer planet. Um, Very appropriate. Where there was an elder brain that is, like, dying of some terrifying psychic wound, and the world is full of Mind Flayer Labs, where they conduct eldritch experiments trying to fix it or escape. Fix it, fix it, fix it. Um, preying upon travelers that just get dumped in there at random, because it's cosmic horror, and that's what you get. It's what happens. Yeah. And, of course, Spelljammer! Uh, drawing from the older editions of Spelljammer, where the setting actually had setting information and not just... Um, Boo. Blueprints for ships. Uh, Mind Flayers are one of the major players in the, like, cosmic adventuring game. Um, they own a couple of different planets. They are one of the powerful players. They've been traveling the stars for a quite a long time. Um, and they... There are a lot of Pirates and traitors, like, they, a lot of them act as merchants, although slave trade is one of the key components of their mercantile empire. Boo. Yes, they're, they're bad guys, okay? They're not as, like, outrageously evil as the Neogi, who are, um, spider slave racist things. They're even more evil and more terrifying. Um, in part because while the Mind Flayer may eat your brains and turn you into a Mind Flayer, the Nyogi will plant its eggs in you and those will burst out and eat you while you're still alive. 
the Mind Flayers, you know, they trade, they pirate stuff using their Nautiloid ships. They, um, they're, they're, they're pretty classic Spelljammer components, and you really wouldn't have Spelljammer without them, I think. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, uh, really, my thoughts on Mind Flayers is that they are a classic D&D monster, but they're also one that you should really use sparingly, unless you're building an entire campaign around them, and that I would use more in a science fiction way than in a fantasy way. Yeah, they're uh, very science fiction-y monsters. And I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I like some science fiction thrown into my D&D, because I'm a heretical nerd, even though I'm more of the fantasy nerd. I still like a little bit of sci-fi sprinkled in there. Well, like I'm, I'm much more of a sci-fi nerd, but yes, I like them. I would play them up as aliens. They're not native to this world or even this plane, perhaps. I they, mean, they basically are aliens. Yeah, they basically are aliens and they're similar to xenomorphs. So if I was running them in as a serious component of a campaign, I would play up that they are so incredibly different from everything else around them. And I would probably use the Nautiloid ship. Like, fairly heavily. Like, they come down in their flying ship, they abduct people, and then you have to figure out that their base is a giant Nautilus floating up in the sky, you know, that only comes out at night, effectively. And well, Just do it, like, 50s UFO style. Yeah, some 50s UFO style, and also some, like... I think I'd throw in some other things like towns that they're controlling and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Pod people. XCOM. Invasion of the Body edition. Snatchers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would play them up as aliens. Uh, one of the one of the other things that's kind of funny about Mind Flayers is so they're terrifying, they're eldritch monsters, they're definitely evil, they've got all this knowledge and stuff. What do you think they have for treasure? Uh, nothing. Like, if your party goes into a Mind Flayer lair and kills them all and wants to loot the place, what do you think they would find? Magic items? Not really. Mind Flayers uh, don't much care for arcane magic, mostly using psychic stuff, and that's all imprinted on them, so it won't work for other people. Lots of brains. Yeah, basically brains. They don't hoard coins, gemstones, jewelry, any of the classic treasures. They probably don't use much magic items, like I mentioned. They know that other people like that stuff, so they might have a small cache of it. But most of the time, that's used as, like, bait. <laughs> so that they can try and get people in there to take their brains. Um, now, an individual Mind Flayer might be investigating magic items as to as use in some sort of war machine or something and they might have like useful books and stuff but for the most part mind flayers don't have good treasure womp womp yeah so that's something to keep in mind um mind flayers are not profitable to hunt down <laughs> unlike say dragons Enjoy your tentacles and brains, because that's all you're going to get. Yes. And, uh, you know, Mind Flayers are perhaps best represented, best represented by Zoidberg. 
Wait, no, that's not Zoyberg. Why not Zoy? <laughs> mind flares? Why not mind flares? Why not mind flares? Um. So, Ed, any thoughts on mind flares? Any uses of them that you'd like to see? Any concepts that you think they should do with mind flares that they haven't done? Any stuff they've mm. done in the past that you think they should do again? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, as is usually my standard answer. I like them just because they're like weird science fiction-y things in D&D, and they're, what they do and the role they fill is just kind of like so different from everything else in terms of like big, bad, evil guys. Um, I do think it would be interesting to find a way to fit them in in like kind of a 1920s themed like Eberron. I don't know why I just like the idea of, of mind flare in like some kind of suit and bowler hat. I mean, you could have them be like, I don't know, brain runners trying to smuggle brains away from the cops or something. I don't know. I think if you're doing 1920s sort of pulp fiction stuff, mind flares make perfect, uh, mad scientists. Yeah. Mad science. Like the, the people have been like, the, you know, some mad scientist is working for a government and committing horrible atrocity experiments. And it turns out it's a mind flare. Yep. There it is. That That's your pulp mind flare setting. Just can't forget the bowler hat. Well, I think what you do in that case is you have a quagoth or something as its thrall that's wearing a bowler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas the Mind Flayer wears the classic, like, Mad Scientist getup. The white yeah. lab coat and goggles. Um, yeah, I think I think that probably comes from, like, my my general like of Warcraft and how they they blend a lot of, like, science fiction and fantasy stuff together. And they're just like, just, just go with it. Don't think about it. I think that's kind of the general fantasy vibe that I like overall. So I think the Mad Scientist uh, stuff kind of fits in there well. Yeah, and I, a mad scientist, illithids are totally a great choice. Um, one thing to remember if you are running them as villains is that they are very smart. Uh, mind flayers have high intelligence scores. They are evil geniuses. If You, you will not them, outsmart the mind flayer. Well, you can outsmart the mind flayer uh, if only because... They, they're kind of full of themselves a lot of the time. But you should... You can surprise a Mind Flayer, but you can't outplan a Mind Flayer. Um, they should have backup plans. They should have escape options. They, they have should, backup plans within backup plans. Yeah, they sh- their stuff should be set up so that if one piece fails, something else takes over. And it takes a lot to disrupt. Um... Mind flayers should be the, like, cunning overlords that it takes a lot of work to, like, outdo their plans. So, if you're running mind flayers, make sure to run them as being smart. They're not just going to run in and fight you. They're going to do everything they can to misdirect you, your players, into doing something else. Um, And, you know, create other threats for the players to go and deal with or die to while they complete their own machinations. Try to avoid direct confrontation, I think, until you absolutely have to. When you're dealing with Might be a good idea. 
Uh, same with Rakshasas, except the Rakshasas, at least in my opinion, are more arrogant. And um, the way I've run them, they will occasionally just like walk up to the party and be like, hey, here's 10,000 gold. Go away. <laughs> um, I, I had a Mind Flayer do that. Just invite the party out to dinner. Um, and offer them a vast sum of gold if they would just leave the city and make n and not interfere with the Mind Flayer's plans at all. Cool. The party did not take him up on the offer. I mean, could have been an interesting uh, DM improv moment. Oh, I had like two other villains in the wings in case they decided to do this and bail on this fight. But... They didn't take him up on the offer, and it, you know, gave them an extra motivation to mess with this guy who thought he could just summon them at will and insult them. You thought you could summon me? Well, I mean, like, he sent them an invitation. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Mind Flayers. They're fun. They're great. They're illithids. Uh... I think they're one of the best things in Spelljammer, and uh, Mind Flayer Pirates are just hilariously cool. Um, Arg. Yeah, and Ed? Yes? Anything about Mind Flayers you want to say? Any last thoughts on Mind Flayers? Um, get flayed, make some of them Cenobites, because that's what I would do. I, I don't think they're the Cenobite ones. I think we'll get to some of the Cenobite-style creatures later. But th that's not Mind Flayers. That's, that's all I got. All right. So on this podcast, we have a segment called Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game that we like or have thought about or something like that. And this week, uh, I'm going to talk about Twilight Imperium. Oh, boy. Because we've waited long enough to talk about it, and it's uh, we may do a full episode on it at some point, but I'm going to have to play it again before that Strap happens. Strap yourselves in for a 12-hour episode. Yeah. Uh, Twilight Imperium is currently on its fourth edition and published by Fantasy Flight Games, and is the ultimate, ultimate board, game board game of galactic conquest and trade and politics and intrigue and exploration. Uh, it is effectively a galactic 4X game, uh, which stands for, what, explore, exploit, uh, expand, and, and exterminate. exterminate. Uh, things like Stellaris or, what, Sins of a Solar Empire? There's a bunch of them. I think Sins of a Solar Empire, that's more of an RTS, but eh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't play those very often. At least I don't play the ones at the, like, stellar scale. The, the Sins concept... of a Solar Empire is good, but it's a little bit shallow. Yeah, the concept is that you run a civilization in space, and all the other players do as well, and you, over a series of turns, you expand, you conquer planets, you build fleets of ships... You conduct trade deals, you resolve events that may show up and do weird stuff, you negotiate the politics of the Galactic Senate, and you try <laughs> I to... I am the Senate. And you try to effectively rule the galaxy. 
Uh, it's based on a series of turns. E on each turn, you bid for a number of cards. Um, depending on which card you get, uh, determines the order in which you play and what bonus you get on that turn. Uh, one of the cards may be like focused on doing war thing. One might be focused on production. One might be focused on politics. And the like goes last player one just gives you one point in the like <laughs> victory tracker. So that even if you have no other plans this turn, you can just get one victory point. Woo, free point. It's actually nicely balanced from what I recall. The game is incredible in its depth and in its like detail of strategy and I like combination of things that can be done. It has a whole bunch of races, uh, each with their own unique skills and uh, attributes. And because of all this, it is generally regarded as one of the more complex and longer games to play. In my experience, the game takes six hours to play, plus one hour for every player at the table. <laughs> Yay! So if you play with four people, it can take ten hours or so. If you play with eight people, which is the maximum, and some people claim that the game is best played with eight people, it will take roughly 14 hours. I mean, I wouldn't say no but I have a feeling that my wife may object. I have played three complete games of Twilight Imperium. I did not win any of them, though I came close once. And this, like, six hours plus one hour for each player at the table is my general rule of thumb at this point. Now, did it drive you mad? No, because we, like, stopped for lunch and dinner. We, like, set aside an entire day, got there in the morning, started playing, took a break for lunch... Came back, kept playing, took a break for dinner, came back, finished the game. You know, you set aside an entire day to play this, and it's great. Um, or if you have a table and can, like, leave the game alone for a week and come back and play it, like, three weeks in a row, I guess you could do it. But uh, it's crazy. It's complicated. It's detailed. It's a classic for a reason. Twilight Imperium. Yeah, son. It is the most, like, galaxy-spanning space opera game I can think of. It is the most opera. It, it is space opera at its most extreme. And I think it's really cool. Yes, so, son. with that being said, as always, thank you for listening. You can like, subscribe, rate us, etc. Uh, tell other people about the podcast force them to find illithids and do it follow us on social media we are noel country on instagram and at noel country on twitter though uh if twitter is still here in a week that'll be interesting <laughs> um you can do all the things ed is going to suggest oh you can follow me at animadness on instagram uh yeah uh if you don't want to get your mind flayed. You can uh, get a Knoll Country branded tinfoil hat uh, guaranteed to keep all the brainwaves out. Um, Please note, your... guarantee is not valid in all realms or material planes. Yes. 
uh, go ahead and you can support your queer charities and your reproductive justice funds and all that good stuff uh, to spend your actual money dollars. And go Knowles. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. I just needed some validation on my on my question there. Yeah. <laughs>